Thank you for listening to Recyclables. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the program, the best way to do that is to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, the next best way is to make a donation either through the Acast app or at our Patreon, which is just patreon forward slash recyclables.com. Until next time, thank you. Hello, your friendly neighborhood editor, Pat, from the, the future or the past. I don't know how time works, honestly, especially when it comes to... Anyway, uh, two things. Content warning up front. This is about school shooting, and we get pretty deep into the details without saying, Hey, that's what's up. And two, there was a heater uh, blowing during our recording on and off. So if it occasionally sounds like I was assimilated by the Borg, it was because that was preferable to the, like, <laughs> noise that was going on the whole time. Uh, yeah, that was it. Enjoy. I would love to speak with someone who could make a website. And someone who would, like, know how to get it at, like, what the server load would have to be, at least to start, for making a non, like, a non-profit communal social media. Um, I've thought about that a lot, too, because I think part of the problem, one of the things I think Mark Zuckerberg is super scared of is people figuring out that we could just do that. We could just have a community social media of our own. Like a Craigslist of social media. I think that's part of why guys like that... Like, it's this weird thing where it's like, I think they're smart, but I think they're smart in a very particular way that works in this very narrow circumstance, and that's why you get to succeed. And then you get to trick yourself into thinking you're a variety of smarts. It's it's what Elon you're Musk You're smart does. at Calvin Ball. The whole world is just a game of Calvin Ball. We have all decided to make... Calvin, like Calvinism, like the... the, the You've the... never heard of Calvin Ball? No. Calvin Ball, it's, it's a game fun. where... You make up the rules as you go. Like, the beginning of the game is making rules. Like, a collection of kids, and you make the rules. I mean, that just describes government. Yeah, and, and everything. <laughs> and everything. So, intelligent, or like, what we view as smart or successful is the people who can navigate this giant game of Calvin Ball. And it's also a first-come, first-served Calvin Ball. And my parents were here first. Yeah. Or, or my parents killed your parents and they were here first, but it doesn't matter because my parents killed your parents before, after your parents were already here. Let's put that in. Are we recording now? Yeah, it's in there. Okay, cool. Here, yeah, we'll, I'll pause. I think we, um, is it my turn to introduce? Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. I don't, you take the, you're the big kid on this one. Yeah, uh, Actually, real I... quick short story. So after the Umqua Community College shooting happened, that was in like 2015? Yeah. 2016, maybe? I went to open mics. I think I went to the Brody that night. That guy was like an incel, and that was the reason he killed. Mm -hmm. And there was were... that hashtag not all women, dude? I don't remember which guy it was, and I don't even want to give credence to their names or any yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, I mean, fuck them. But he was mad that no one would fuck him. Um, <laughs> and so people at the mic are like, God, if only someone had just sucked his dick. And I was like, first of all, that's not really funny. Because, like, there's no joke in that. And second of all, can we stop normalizing this concept of, like, appeasing men so they don't do violent, harmful things? Yeah, it's not about... I hadn't thought of it that way, A. Uh, so, my bad. But I did, from my very privileged position, I've always thought of it as, like, how many of us are going to make that joke? 
know what I mean? And to me, there's also this thing where it's like the first joke shouldn't be the joke you tell on stage. That should be the joke you know everyone else is going to come up with. And I know, I know my, my artistic integrity is questionable for sure, but I just mean like, I've always had this thought of if I go to the open mic and there's three people that have a joke and they look like me specifically, if there's three white dudes telling the same kinds of joke, I don't need to tell that joke because there's at least three other kinds of white dudes telling that kind of joke. So No, I mean, it's fair to say that nothing is off limits per se. But what I will say is that I, after that point, actively decided to not go to open mics on the evenings of school shootings or like mass shootings in general. And I also chose, like, when, like, certain Supreme Court hearings came out and shit like that. Yeah. I just, because, like, I did not want to hear the calloused hot take. It's it's going to be the same hot take everyone has. So it's like, I don't need to hear it from people I'm trying to respect and or work with. So, like, yeah. like I don't want to hear my coworker have the worst opinion. And it's like... There's a grain of truth in every joke, and why would you, like, why do we keep on having to have these jokes about appeasing men sexually to avoid other consequences, or to bribe men, things like that? Why Why is that in general? I mean, I know it happens directed towards women, but, like, towards men, it's very fucking wild if that's a... Like, like if I had to guess, just from armchair psychology or whatever, right, like, not just patriarchy or whatever, like, those are the obvious answers. No, do you think so? Like I said before, Harriet thinks those kids killed themselves by bullying that kid. She thinks that kid's a hero, and his parents too. He really cleaned up that school, you know? Harriet. That's Harriet's thought. Harriet's hot takes. But we're here to talk about school shootings. I I have a personal wraparound to this. So when I was in high school, I was not a good vandal. And at one point, I wrote my name in the bathroom stall. Uh, Patrick. Is the bomb. Patrick, That's right. Oh, Pat- no. Patrick Thomas Perkins is the bomb. That's the important part to remember there. My, my logic was because actually I thought I was a clever vandal. If I write third person about myself, it's propaganda at that point. Like, why would I write about myself? Clearly someone else wrote about it. And then people will see that and maybe I'll have a friend someday. This is it's the kind of person I am in high school. That's Didn't the it look ki- just too much like has a bomb? Well, now that you mention it, <laughs> Yes. Someone filled in my graffiti to have the is the bomb to has a bomb. And guess who gets called to the principal's office because of his bomb? Because he matches a stereotype of a kid who's always alone. Kid, Did you ever wear a trench coat? Kid who dresses in all black whenever he can. Okay. Um, A kid who shows up in a lot of the same clothes. Were you wearing like black sketchers, like movie theater shoes? The the deal... Oh my god, Harriet. Like, you have never been this obnoxious before. <laughs> no, I would... My grandma was a hoarder, so I would only have, like, four outfits I thought would be appropriate at school. Like, she would buy tons of clothes, but they would be, like... They would just look weird or have, like, stuff I was like, I don't know what this is. And I would just want regular plain clothes, so I'd wear that, but I'd wear it, like, three days in a row. So everyone thought I was kind of on drugs. And, like, I was that kid who would... I would get, like, A++ on a test... But I'd never turn in homework, right? And they just thought that was because of, like, I was doing drugs, when in fact it was like, no, there's nobody who loves me at home, <laughs> right? Yes. And so they take me in, and eventually they're like, oh, you're just unloved. You're not dangerous. Okay, go back to what you're doing. You know what right? I mean? Like, I dated a guy in high school and part of college who, especially when he shaved his head bald, he had, like, 
resting school shooter face. Like, and yeah. it was just really unfortunate because people made those assumptions about him all the time. And I mean, it's so silly that we make those assumptions in general, like knowing, but like there is some characteristics that overlap when it comes to school shootings. We're going to get to that because yeah. I know you did some research yeah. on that. Yeah, and I did, in hindsight, I did get bullied, but I'm so me. It was only a few years ago. I was like, oh yeah, those kids that punched me in the small of the back were totally assholes. That's right. That, that is what bullying is. That's, yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I totally fit the profile that we're about to hit. Yeah. Oh, this is the news dump. Uh, it took us a <laughs> while to introduce ourselves, but like, I wanted to start genuinely talking about how it's talked about in comedy, because to me personally, I haven't heard many funny school shooting jokes. There are funny school shooting jokes, but because there's such an inundation of shitty ones every time one happens, I don't think there's any good ones. And it's just, they're happening so frequently that at this point, I have become numb to them. Oh, I'm Rochelle Cody. I'm, I'm PTP. I'm and Thomas Perkins. the asshole who may be knocking shit over for the next, mm, let's see where are we at hour or so is my cat who has very problematic views on school shootings so we're not going to edit in any of her commentary go Har- fuck yourself Har- harriet is one of those really strong conservatives who who pretends to be neoliberal and it's it's we we do not platform her views but she lives here so occasionally you'll hear her just be grateful i keep her indoors folks my before um, we leave the comedy part i was just thinking my other issue my oh, other, this is Patrick Thomas Perkins, by I, the way. I said that. I, I, PTP. <laughs> I do both. I said both. But, uh, Did you <laughs> If I was wrong, uh, you will just need to edit, splice in yourself saying, Rochelle was fucking wrong. <laughs> Rochelle was fucking wrong. And then if I wasn't, I'll edit that out. <laughs> no! You have to edit it in if it happens. Ah, oh, that's more work. Okay, fine. <clears throat> Let me. All right, um. Rochelle was fucking wrong. Anywho. Speaking of work, I know it's coming from a privileged position again, but like that's part of why I get upset is it is lazy joke writing. It is lazy joke that, writing. That's the point I was trying to make earlier. Because it's like about shocking instead of actually finding something insightful to say. And it's about knowing like, I think with incels in particular, which aren't necessarily the same as school shootings, which is kind of what we're talking about specifically today. But I think there's some Venn diagram to the overlap. And I think it's because if you're in a comfortable position in life and certain things have obvious answers to you, then you kind of never have to question why other people go through it. I think a big problem with a lot of standard open mic comedian, they haven't had a lot of real life experience in a way that is meaningful in a way. I don't mean that in a condescending way, but like... If you're 27 and your life has been mostly drinking, and I say this as somebody who spent, you know, up until about 20, I mean, starting at whatever, I drank in my 20s. That's my point there. I don't want to brag, but I drank in my 20s. But my point is that, like, you put yourself through hardships and think that's hardship because it's hard. (laughs) There was this book I read when I was a kid by this author, Bruce Coville, and one of the characters makes this point about they thought they knew hunger and then they like gain telepathy and they meet somebody who's had to go days without food. And they're like, oh, that's what hunger is. Like I was just, I was just like, I wasn't peckish, obviously. I was definitely hungry, but there's a distinction between my hunger and that hunger and what that's about. And I don't think you can do that on purpose. You can't hit your head against the wall and be like, yeah, that's just the same as losing a fight. 
You no, have it's to, definitely not the same thing. I think it's like a kind of false equivalency the standard model comedian makes, which is, my life sucks. I'm presenting art about it without examining why does my life suck. Yeah, Making art about that. No, yeah, that makes sense. But we wanted to talk about school shootings today. I researched the one that I was, was local and that I'd actually had to change some of my viewpoints about, but it was like, it was a big deal in Portland. Like it changed a lot of, it was one of the few days my parents were active in my childhood where they were like, hey, are you okay? Like, did something happen at your school? Because, mm. like, one of the other things is, especially in the late to mid-90s before, like, an internet culture. And cell phones. Yeah, when these things happened, like, people didn't have news. You just had what popped up on the news, and there's breaking story about... Right, and you might hear it on the radio if you're listening to the radio. Yeah. I researched uh, Columbine because uh, that was the one I most distinctly remember. That as was a the child. big one. That was the big one. Yeah. We will end up discussing the uh, shooting that happened at Ox- in Oxford High School in Michigan. Buckle up. It's going to be a really fun, happy time. Laughs every 15 to 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Corporate mandated. Yeah, yeah. Speaking and of corporate, let's pretend. Let's pretend and then, and then jump in. Yes. Yeah. I mean. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have an ad break because uh, we definitely are getting paid to do this by an advertiser at this point. So uh, we'll be back with you in a moment. I just wanted to add a patron shout out. So thank you to Chella L. Thank you very much. Thank you Ash Alexander as well. Thank you Erica N. Thank you, Carrie Davis. Guys, be sure and check out Butterface Creations. They are also a patron. Chelsea Taylor, thank you. Claire Daphne, thank you. And Pearl. Uh, Thank you, Linda Grimes. Thank you, Kristen Rowan. Thank you, Ben Menard. Thank you, Andrea Miller. Holy crap, thank you, Rob Campbell. Check out the episode that we're going to do later with Nova Starlust, who is also a patron. Thank you, Whitney Hampson. Thank you, Tao Palmer. Thank you all very much. Recyclables and News Dump wouldn't be possible without you. If you want to be a patron, you can go to patreon.com forward slash recyclables. I would really appreciate it. You can also check out Rochelle's paintings at Whore for Poor on Instagram. Thanks. You're back. We're, we're, this time we're introducing who we are up front in the segment. That's what we're doing. We did a little bait and switch in the last segment. I'm Patrick Thomas Perkins. I'm Rochelle Cody. I was going to tell Patrick who he was, and he just had to be so arrogant and tell you himself. You pointed at me. I thought that was my cute to say. This is News Dump. We're talking today about super fun topic of school shootings. It's going to be a thousand laughs per minute. You know, just, just joke after joke after joke. Um, boom, boom, boom. Part of the reason why it's important to talk about these, though, uh, there is a school shooting, statistically speaking, once every 11 days. We only That's more often than my period, and I don't even know when my period happens anymore. Uh, we only report the ones that, uh, it looks like uh, there were some... some anti- more than two people are killed? Four or more people are killed. Four or more people At least for mass shootings was the statistic. Probably with schools, it's two or more. That makes sense, because I was just watching, like, a... I was watching a thing about mass shootings in general. Because if they included how many people committed suicide by gun in a school, that number would probably be unsettlingly high. Probably. There's a lot of, like, anecdotal stuff we can talk about, too. I think we'll do that in the fourth section in particular when we're comparing notes on that one. 
and that one always runs long anyhow, so that's fine. Um, I was going to review uh, the case that happened locally, Kip Kinkle. So guy. Springfield, next to Eugene. Yeah. Okay. So a 15-year-old freshman, Kip, Kipland Kinkle, which is just... Kipland Kinkle. Just mean to do to your kid in the first place. As a child with... My initials are PP for those who haven't <laughs> figured out. <laughs> That's why I go by the Patrick Thomas Perkins, because I don't want the PP to be my like stage name. Uh, anyway. Oh, that makes sense. I actually was thinking about it. I was like, is it rude for me to always include Thomas? But it is in his name on Facebook, so. So, when he is 15 on May 21st in 1998, he basically is expelled from school for, um, sorry, I was, I, I, was, I was making sure I had information right, because I wrote one thing in my notes, and then I wrote something else down. So, on May 21st, 1998, in Eugene, Oregon, at Thurston High School, Kipling Kinkle went on a shooting spree. He killed two students, wounded 25 others before he was tackled by students, or subdued by students, and then taken in by police. Uh, while in police custody, it was discovered that he had also killed both his parents. Uh, Holy cow. And he had, like, strapped a knife to himself, where the police didn't... I don't know how they didn't find it, but they didn't find it when they patted him down. And he tried to fight a cop during the interrogation with the knife. So I mean, I hate this guy a lot already, but knife fighting a cop is mildly admirable. Just saying. He had been facing an expulsion from school the day before. I'm I'm going to hate him. I'm going to finish giving you the facts. I'm going to finish giving you the facts. Okay. He had paid another student like $110 for a Beretta 32 caliber pistol. That had a nine-round magazine, whatever, any of for gun fetishes. There you go. There's your moment. But he gave a kid money for that. But it turns out the kid had stolen it from his dad and sold it to Kip. Oh. And so that started a whole string of investigations, which got him expelled. And then kind of his story comes out afterward. Some things that are worth noting. He took a deal immediately afterwards. And mainly because he was going to plead insanity in the, in the interrogation, a scene from it anyhow. He uh, describes hearing voices and, like, is, like, the damn voices told me to do it. And, like, had a lot of suicidal ideation. He also had a lot of uh, particular delusions. Like, he was convinced America was going to go to war with China. The The triggering event was when he comes home from school. He, his dad tells him he's going to go to military school, so he gets one of his father's guns. And that's and that's what starts us where he shoots his dad waits for his mom to come home, and then the next day, I guess, goes to school or whatever. So either the, I'm, I'm not exactly clear on the timeline between his parents' death and the exact attack on the school. So in, in hearing voices, was this confirmed that that was an actual psychiatric or psychological he diagnosis? He has been he diagnosed has? with schizophrenia since and is medicated okay. for it. And part of the reason why he took a deal was his, his lawyers were like, let's just take a plea because... That's better than, than what you'll face. How old was he? Uh, he was 15. Wait, so he could have gotten the death penalty? I, I don't remember it if he is, could have. Is it legal? I don't, I don't know. Let me double okay. check. Don't, don't, Sorry. Don't. Okay, so, so he, three days before jury selection was set to begin, he pled guilty to murder and attempted murder, foregoing the possibility of being acquitted by reason of insanity. He was sentenced to 111 years in prison without possibility of parole at the... He publicly apologized. It was like, I'm, I'm, I am I'm, don't remember the... I didn't watch the videos for that. But, okay, okay. Because I, for, I forgot Sorry, to... Sorry, I got really stickler about that, but I just, like... That would be wild if the death penalty was on the table for a well, 15-year-old. Okay. So I don't... I don't I, we got all excited about death penalty, but the, the, the important thing to remember is 
He's a 15-year-old kid, so he's probably thinking it's on the table anyhow. And I don't want to put that idea there when it's not. But I think it's important to remember, in general, it's a 15-year-old kid making this decision at the behest of adults. And it's a Mm -hmm. 15-year-old who will eventually be diagnosed with schizophrenia. And also, a lot of the videos at the time are very... They don't believe his testimony for a variety of reasons because he ended up having to this gets really graphic but he tells his mom he, he loves her before he shoots her and and confesses to it and there's a thing where he's he's able to recount things in order very well over and over again and to some people that's a sign that he planned it and like was following a plan and and there's another line of thinking where it's like when you're unwell you do things kind of out of yourself and you're you're not yourself and you might think your logic is logic, but it's not. That's the that's the primary reason we have the insanity defense built in, is some people honestly don't know what they're doing at the time they're doing it. And with help and with medication and with monitoring, you know, by their community and their loved ones, then, then they can... So there wasn't necessarily evidence that this was a premeditated thing. It's complicated by a lot of things, which I'm about to get into, because the trial reveals a lot of stuff. One, his dad had bought him multiple guns before the event, but in in Springfield in the, less so in the late 90s, but in general, there's a portion of Springfield that's kind of country. There's a culture of guns in that community. I grew up in Montana. That is completely normal. Kip was really interested in guns, and his dad couldn't connect to him in any other way. So there's a very much, it's kind of like we talked about how magic was with me on that episode of Recyclables, where his dad's like, well, he's into guns and I'm into guns, so maybe if I get him a gun and we take classes together, I can figure out how to use that as an end with my kid. And correction, I'll say it is normal to buy, I would say, I think it's normal to buy a hunting rifle for your kid if you grow up in a rural area. But, like, pistols and shit like that and, like, things that wouldn't be used for hunting, that stuff I can't get behind personally. But, but the, the other thing is, while he's doing that, he's mentally unwell. He gives a lot of warning signs. He's in a lot of fights in classes. He's it, It's that weird scenario of he's bullied for being different, but it makes him have violent outbursts. But he's also mentally unwell in a culture that is not only not used to identifying that, but doesn't know what to do with that when it is identified. And also, we're kind of taught that if you're schizophrenic, if you're mentally unwell, that something wrong with you, you're broken, which is inaccurate. Yes, something's wrong with you, but that doesn't mean you're broken. That just means you're different in your very specific way. And the other thing, I bring all that up, though, is his father takes him to a lot of these gun conventions in the late 90s when we're starting that kind of weird right-wing culture war shift really, really hard. And there's a lot of doomsday shit and prepper shit in those communities And so well. he's uh, he's just absorbing all of this as a preteen boy with a lot of... He is, he is identified, again, as schizophrenic in prison. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's also hard to identify it because of the culture. Because it's hard to tell if you have a kid who is crazy, crazy in the sense that they have very bad ideas and impulses that they want to act on, versus a child who is mentally unwell. Crazy is a poor choice of word. It's hard to tell if you have an evil child with a plan and intention, kind of Nazi style. It's hard to tell that from if you have a child who's mentally unill, and it's hard to tell that from a kid who's being abused either at home or outside the home and bringing it home and, 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 and internalizing it. And it 
hard to tell all that from a kid who's just a little bit weird, who just likes guns and like doesn't fit in, especially if you don't have a culture that teaches you, like you're saying, like you were saying before, that teaches you what to do with all of that. You're just taught to fit in, and if you don't fit in, you're fucked. Yeah. And so there, that's a lot of the reason why things like there's a lack of mental health care his parents do get him into therapy but eventually they they either can't afford it or work gets in the way and they can't Mm -hmm. take him there's a lack of community they just like the school just wants to get him through the day and then send him home it's not about actually getting to know him or help him because teaching is just a job at the end of the day as far as our model right individual teachers may vary swaths of teachers may vary but overall it's just a job they do and then it's also about like kind of the way we see children which is we don't necessarily view them as whole human beings as people with rights and the ability to hurt and the ability to be defective in a in a american sense we're just learning how to do that nowadays we thought we had a handle on it in the 90s but our handle on it was let's put you pills and hide you away yeah. Proof well, of- I mean, they've been pulling kids who are nominally different out of the classroom for a pretty long time. At one point, if you visibly were so visibly disabled looking that it could be potentially unsettling, it was legal to, for someone to ask you to leave the premises. Yeah. That If that's a, in a business sense, that's also happening in our schools. And there's also a thing where it's like, I identify with this as a kid growing up, where it's like, once I realized all my differences as far as poverty he wasn't poor we can get it we'll get into that later but but as far as poverty disability and a whole bunch of other things went i knew i needed to hide it or it would be used against me Mm -hmm. and if you can't hide it how do you get out in front of it and so there's some of that and and his whole delusion his whole set of delusions is that he can't trust anybody he's gonna die at the end of this no matter what and that's what kind of sets up his suicidal ideation the fucked up thing about Kinkle's situation is his life sentence is a minor in particular, right? Because he's 15, 16 when he gets the sentence. Yeah. Okay, so Oregon has a thing called Measure 11 or had a thing called Measure 11. I don't know where it is elsewhere. But it's a thing where we charge youth as an adult, but we use his example against other kids. And usually black kids for way, way lesser circumstances. Uh, other places, like if a, if a kid is involved in maybe gang violence and maybe they don't even have the gun, they're just in the car where a thing happens or in their, they're in the neighborhood and picked up the wrong way, they get a life sentence. But Kinkle's example is used because of this deranged killer who even went after his parents. But, but like ultimately he wasn't. His example for a life sentence for youth is used across the country as like this we, we got the he's one of the school shooters we stop who don't kill themselves or don't get killed and so we, we need a life sentence to prove like we'll take action against this but the thing is the u.s is one of the only at least one of the only first world countries that has air quotes on the first world but that has a life sentence for kids without parole every other place has some form of parole or, or rehabilitation program the u.s is the only place that has a juvenile well a the u.s is the only place in with first, it at all yeah, and at all. we also apply yeah. it to youth in certain and, and it all comes about from that reagan's uh 80s fear-mongering about like the 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 violent black youth and uh, well, the three strikes you're out kind yeah of thing. and so all so three strikes and you're out is used as we don't want them to turn into a kip kinkle so kip is used over and over as an example Me- and he's not necessarily a great example in the examples that we're seeing since kip kinkle and the one that i researched as well these kids are planning these attacks. They are 
ruminating about them. They are hoping to get notoriety he, from it. He, he was amassing an arsenal, right? And he did have a plan. But his plan was to die at the end because he was mentally unwell because he thought he was going to die. Did he want to hurt people or was it to defend himself? I think it was. I think it was a weird both. I think it was a retaliation. And if I'm going to die, I'm going to take out the people who killed me along with me. It's that thing where, like, when you're mentally unwell, your logic only makes sense to you, especially when you're that that unwell. I will say, I just want to pause quick here. To address the fact that, unfortunately, as true as that statement is, it opens the door for people to to not discuss the fact that people with mental health issues are not more likely to be Correct. violent. Correct. He was, Sorry, I just, I really want to hammer that home because yeah. a lot of what you're saying, regardless of it's your intent, he's, can okay, be he, interpreted he, he's, in that perspective. The issue is he's absorbing, he's absorbing all of our cultural signals of what masculinity is and should do and should be and all of that's kind of like creating this big stew in his head of how he has to respond so he can't see a response that's running away because the man's just going to come get i don't think he has the man specifically but like the overarching ability of adults in government is such that like he's never going to get away and the reason he's in this position is because the voices in his head and the kids in his school who mock him and treat him this way. And the issue is that this this person who is a specific kind of unwell, who has a specific set of circumstances, becomes a thing other people can look to because it gets so sensationalized. Specifically okay. because he starts at home and then he goes to school and commits these murders. Like, like I said, he has a plan, but it's this thing that's like... It's a thing that people are actively trying to figure out how to engage with, but they have no way to really, they don't have the tools in a very real sense. His dad's response is to call military school because he has a loaded gun at school. He's like, all right, that's the only thing I know how to do because it's 1998 and we think pans, uh, yeah, we think pansies get therapy and like that's the only way to teach him is more discipline. So he has this whole culture where that's the only, that's going to be kind of the only way he'll know. I'm, I'm not saying that to take responsibility away from yeah, him. Yeah, that, and that's, like, I just want to make sure that we are not, like, yes, he's a child, and there are certain factors that go into it, but it's, like, if you're swimming in still shit, a human you're only going to have shit to fling, yeah. is my point. Yeah. You can choose not to fling shit, you can choose to swim away from the shit. Or you can choose to just drown in it. Like, I, 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 think, I, I think that's a distinction that I find very fascinating, yeah. that typically... These are men that are making these decisions and or young boys yeah. making these decisions. When you see women or young girls who plan on committing suicide, the goal is not to take out other people or make it a spectacle yeah. or gain clout from the experience. It's that you do not want to be here and that you don't want and to I, make it someone else's problem. I also think part of it, like this is, this is me backseat editorializing. I think part of it is... If he had a plan, he 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 hadn't completed it. And if he like like if this is all some Lex Luthor shit from a thirteen year old, then I don't think he had a chance to think it beyond. I will punish the people who hurt me and die, right? Which is its own thing. You're right, but I think if you're mentally unwell, if you're his specific kind of mentally unwell, and you follow his logic specifically, the way it's built up around him and all these these other fuck, I don't want to. Again, I don't want to excuse it. I just think it's one of those things where I don't think he was acting 
premeditated, premeditated. No, no. I, I don't want to be dismissive of, of the no, reality. No, no, I don't like, think you are. I think it's good for us to at least have a little bit of back and forth about it so that we are not providing this impression that this guy was unfairly maligned because, because of things. And we, I also really don't want us to portray this conception of mental health being a big f- well, here's, like- here's why mental here's why the mental health aspect to me is so interesting the way Oregon's prisons kind of work our juvenile prison system is focused more on rehabilitation I think because we don't have a high percentage of violent junior offenders but don't quote me on that all I know is while he's in prison in his juvenile stint he has access to daily therapy daily group support meetings daily reinforcements after his diagnosis with people really focused on a kind of care first and rehabilitative form of incarceration when he gets moved to adult prison when he ages out into adult prison none of that is available but he's he's made the road to recovery so much so that he and these other kids who all aged in at the same time begin starting their own autonomous versions of this within the prison community and he initially didn't try to fight for appeal Again, this is from fucking the guy who carried out these murders, so you gotta take it with that grain of salt. But he's like, I didn't want to put people through it again. Like, I did fuck up. I did do a thing. Like, I did do a, I did do an evil. My bad. Again, I don't know where rehabilitative justice is, but I think it's very telling that once he's in an environment where he can get help and he has access to people who believe him when he has voices in his head and people who see a troubled young man and don't see well i have to turn him into i have to teach him to hide it they see somebody yeah. who's like well we have to help him through this not not use it against him and i think that's an important distinction coming from his culture it's important because we use his example against like third striker black teenagers so so kids who have multiple robberies or maybe minor minor assaults or something like that they're put into prison for life because of this kid which further fills up the incarceral system, which is its own... Like, we can do an episode about that some whole time, about what fucking prison incarceration and... and anyway. But he's but his example is used to hide atrocities we do. And then it's like, we don't even know his full story. His sister has filed for appeal, and he said, hey, I don't want to until very recently. But he's seen the way people use his story to justify doing shit to other people. And he's like, look... I thought I wasn't worth it, but like, yeah. that, that was the big thing to me, because I grew up in this... No, it does sound like a much more complex story than when you initially started describing it, and another thing that I think that is important to point out is that the next shooting we're going to talk about, which was inspired by what Kinkle did, yeah, yeah. was also sensationalized, and it has then inspired 40-plus, if not more, shootings since. So, like, Fun. enjoy another wonderful commercial break. We'll be back with the third segment about uh, the shooting at Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado. Rich people, right? Sponsor Pat and Rochelle show, because <laughs> they need money for our. Uh, for oh, our... don't you know? I'm gonna put the little bleep in between that, so that's just gonna be the commercial. That's the whole. That's the whole. And we are back. You are non-asshole, Rochelle Cotier. I'm kind of an asshole, and it's not Cotier, not Gautier either. I'm somebody you still know. 
And then you are Patrick Thomas Perkins. I am. Just so you know. What? If if you die first at your eulogy, I'm going to call you Rochelle. God, you're going to be cookie. such a turd about it. That's fine. Let's let, that's assuming that there's even going to be a ceremony. Fair, fair. <laughs> who knows what the future brings? I'm sorry. Right, who knows? Who knows what is what funerals are going to look like for millennials? But uh, we've already talked about uh, the shooting in uh, at Thurston High School in Springfield, Oregon in 1998, where Kip King called the night before, killed his parents, and then uh, the next day he killed two students and injured 20-something? Yeah, he shot up 27 kids, So and two of them died. So two of them 25 died? Okay, injured. okay. He was, he was also stopped by kids, like kids. Uh, there was a drama about, like, a... a Particular kid tackling him and whatnot, like like like, because it was before one of the two things to remember is it was before it was before school shootings were popular, so had, people were preparing for them. Yeah, like there had been now. maybe two or three before him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing was it was the first time it kind of he was one of the first people we'd caught because most of a lot of these ended suicide. And right, was, so yeah, it was the first one who was uh, put into custody alive and put into trial, and yeah. he and he didn't make it to trial, but there was still you know all the grand jury selection. So there was a lot of sensationalization around him. Two teenage boys in Littleton, Colorado, Eric Harris and Dylan Claybold, decided that they wanted to do something like him. So on April 20th, 1999. That's that's a year. It's just about a year later, right? April, May. So it's not quite a year later. Oh, it's April 20th, so it's 420, Hitler's birthday. Okay, yeah, that's Um, what I thought. I thought that detail was in there. They ended up killing 10 students, 21 were injured. It was, I can't remember how long the attack was. It sounds like it was like maybe an hour and a half to two hours total. Um, Authorities authorities were there. There was actually gunfire exchanged between Dylan Claybold and the police at two separate occasions. Because, like, they could see him at, like, either the entrance of the cafeteria or the entrance of the library. They had a bunch of bombs on them, too, so they were just throwing these pipe bombs. Some of them were exploding. Some of them weren't. Oh, wow. They ended up booby-trapping the... They had actually booby-trapped the whole school, but they booby-trapped their bodies, and then they killed themselves. So a lot of those kids couldn't even evacuate the school until way later because the bomb squad had to go through and clean everything out. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So first off, I want to talk about... The initial impression of this. I, I, I was just going to say my, like, that. Yeah, that, what do you remember about that, that, that day? That, that's crazy. Because, like, even my thing has always been I've never needed to know the details. It's kind of the same way I feel about war, where it's like, I don't know that I can honor the dead fairly enough to walk myself through the details. So I oftentimes mm-hmm. don't. My, my whole point in that is my, my perspective had, had been that they had just kind of shot students in the school and no one knew what was going on like they I mean from, there was a lot of confusion but but I didn't realize they had um I didn't realize how much exterior additional planning beyond guns they oh, had Oh don't worry we're going to get into that more I was that was 1999 so I was 10 years old and I think I went home early from school that day either was sick or I was faking sick I faked sick a lot as a kid I was a fresh um that much older than you I was like a fifth grader I just didn't realize I was that much older than you. I'm 32, okay? okay. And so old. I'm only five years older than you, but in school years, that's Mm -hmm. a lot of years. I know, it's, yeah. We we couldn't have dated in high school, Rochelle. I'm sorry. Real talk, when uh, I was like, I think I was, this was probably when I was in eighth grade, I was like, when my dad was in fourth grade, my mom was in eighth grade. And I looked at like the fourth graders and I'm like, 
this is gross, but now I am marrying someone who was a fourth grader when I was an eighth grader. But it's, yeah, so, so I just gave it enough time that it wasn't creepy anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, But it was really wild to wrap our minds around it. And then you started to kind of hear what was coming out about these kids. The conversation was that they were bullied, they were outcasts, they were a part of this group called the Trenchcoat Mafia, da-da-da-da-da. This was them lashing out because they were so targeted and so so abused as uh, kids. And that, was, that was part of why I got profiled, was we were in the group that should have been picked on, but our school wasn't very aggressive in bullies. But they were like, these are the nerdy kids. Mm -hmm. We got to keep an eye on them. Mm -hmm. So that was a big misconception. There also was a lot of talk and books and like songs and movies have been made about this one gal. If you watch the Funny Fridays video I have in the description, you can hear a lot more about this. And I think the Ask a Mortician one has some good information about it too. Her parents, because she was murdered by the boys. Her parents stated that whichever boy had shot her had asked her whether or not she believed, if she believed in God. And she said she believed in God and then they shot her. What really happened is they just shot her under the table. There was another gal that they asked that. She said, I believe in God. And they're like, well, why do you believe in God? She's like, I don't know. I just do. And they did not shoot her. Oh. So, like, this but whole in- this whole narrative about Christianity being under attack and having to defend, like, as evangelicals, mm-hmm. you need to defend your faith and you're going to be challenged and you're going to be made to, like, denounce your faith and da-da-da. It created this really attractive scenario that's a complete lie. Was it one of those things where, like, in traumatic moments, everything gets all jumbled up. When I go through some of the worst moments in my life, it's it's hard to remember the order of the operations. Details. Yeah. Like, did I do this or did I do that? When did I say well, this? And so is it one of those things where somebody is like, we heard this and we saw that and clearly they happened together and then it gets misreported and somebody figures it out after the fact? Or is I, it- Yeah, I, I think what happened was is that there was this impression that the parents got, based on what stories were coming out, that that's what happened to their daughter. When a bunch of eyewitnesses straight up told them, no, that's not what happened. Okay, so people They did. didn't back okay. down okay. because the narrative was too attractive yeah. and it made too much money. Um, so that was one of the really big misconceptions that came out of it, aside from those kids being super bullied and their lives being so hard. And I mean... I'm not going to say that those kids probably didn't have it rough. Like, I think a lot of what this case specifically speaks to is that you can have all of your material needs met, but if you have been sold this idea that you get to have whatever you want because you're a cis straight white male, because that's what's been built to you this whole time, and you're still falling short either because of mental health issues or because of stuff like that, then you get angry because then what, there must be something so wrong with me if that I'm not getting those things. When in reality, most people who are outside that specific bubble can get like, oh yeah, no, you don't just get whatever you want all the time. Uh, I, I, from kind of here on out, there's a profile. Yeah, there there is a profile. But I wanted okay. to um, address one other thing that I found that was really interesting about the um, Columbine shooting is that it was intended to be a bombing. Oh, I, I, they had actually set up a bunch of bombs throughout the entire school, and they specifically set them up, I think, in the black cafeteria because there was supposed to be a lot of stuff. They they were in their car waiting for the explosion to go off in the park, so they were in the parking lot waiting, and then they were going to, like, run interference, and, like, they had a bunch of guns prepared for 
when, like, people fled or whatever. Okay. They wanted to kill 500 people that day. That was their goal. How many How many people were in their school, do you know? Uh, it's a pretty big school. So so they went in there with the intention of, like, we'll, we'll set off bombs. Committing a, yeah, and then and the then guns were, like, that if will things get, didn't that, work that, out it's, or, it's like, like, yeah. like, hunting They set you... off a bomb three miles away to diverge the cops to that instead of going to the school. These kids had thought this through so intensely. So they wanted they... to cause as much mayhem yeah. and pain as possible. Did they intend to survive it themselves? No, no. no. They okay, were expecting, okay. like, um, Dylan was extremely suicidal. He had been on medication before. He had gone to therapy before. He struggled a lot with it. I, I watched a video that was about, like, psychological profiles of the two of them. Dylan seemed to be the one who was just really sad and ready to die. He had some sadism in him, but not, like, a super elevated level. I mean... Mm-hmm. For men. I'm going to say men have a sadism button that's really it's, odd. <laughs> I, I recently heard a video where they were like, Andrew Johnson was racist for when racism wasn't racist. Yeah, and, and exactly. So he's, so he's a sadist for the sadist already. Yeah, but, probably. Uh, I mean, there might be a little bit more to it. Um, the re- reporting that I saw is that both of them in journals had expressed interest in like dominating sexual experiences, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The other guy, I always forget his name, Eric Harris, he was the one who was a lot more sadistic, and he sounded like the one who really was fucking gung-ho about this shit. And so, like, they had their own personal websites, they were, like, sent doing manifestos, they made videos of themselves. These boys wanted to kill as many people as they could, go out in a blaze of glory, and be remembered forever, like Kinkle. But, I mean, the bombs didn't go off, so they did have to go into school, and they did have to shoot people. They ended up shooting the people that they did, and then, they, yeah, they killed themselves, and they booby-trapped the bodies. One other really fucked up thing that's happened to this, not only has this created a lot of copycat killers, like, yeah. there's at least 40 or so um, I mean, this sounds exactly like what that, that Colorado theater dude, like, yes. his plan- <laughs> We don't need names. Yeah, fuck him. One thing that's also very interesting is there is a lot of teenage girls, and they're probably not just teenage girls, but you know, when teenage girls do something in mass, we all have to be upset about it. That's just the way the world works. Yeah. But they're like fucking stands for these dudes. They make like homage pages on Tumblr or Instagram, sharing memes and things about how much they love these boys, how hot they are, how great they are, and empathizing with what they went through. Now, a lot of these girls don't want to commit a mass murder. They don't want to do what they do, but they do really connect with the hopelessness, the suicidality, and the rage and the anger. And so there was a shoe, there was a girl in like 2017, I watched like a Vice. This gal was very into standing for those two boys. And let's be honest, standing is a really fucked up thing too, because that song by Eminem is literally about a fan killing his pregnant wife because he loves Eminem so much. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's... So it's like, it's it's all problematic. It's problematic all the way down. But um, she got a gun and she had gone missing. Everyone was worried that there was going to be a attack. Well, she ended up just killing herself. But, like, they interview a gal who was friends with her and, like, how the, the reporter who saw her, like, fan account, he's like, do you want to, I, I just want to tell you, this actually makes me really uncomfortable. She's like, damn, you don't even want to see the other accounts that are out there then. I think it's, yeah, it's really sad that Kinkle's experience, King, the story of Kinkle, sounds like it's been used to it, it's, punish children, especially children of color. It has incited people like by the Columbine shooters. Yeah, yeah, by sensationalizing it. And then 
We sensationalized the shit out of the Columbine shooting. That shit was everywhere. We were creating journalism left and right. It was the beginning of the 24-hour news cycle, so we were just saturating it. When I was in high school and then when I was in college, I found out that, like, you are not supposed to have memorials for suicide students who have committed suicide at your school because it increases the likelihood that another student will that commit suicide. Yeah, there's a... Which was really heartbreaking to me because in the time that I went to Great Falls High, there was a suicide, like, every year. Uh, one one year, the other high school in town, a kid went into the school with a gun and killed himself in the bathroom. And so, like, as a, as a high schooler, I was very upset that we weren't remembering these kids. But then to understand when I was in, like, a childhood psych class and then in some of my child education, my teacher education courses. And some of these ideas are, are kind of viable. Their prefrontal cortex isn't developed, so it's kind of hard to understand a lot of the finality of your decisions. Yeah. I think it's important to um, note that there is a profile on these people. The reason I think it's important to note that profile is because that kind of person keeps being created by our system. It, to me, it's interesting that we keep having conversations about the cough and not about how to inoculate against getting the cough. And in the sense, if 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 this is an epidemic that we have, right? Or uh, yeah, yeah, because it's internalized. If this is an epidemic that we have. We don't talk about how to inoculate ourselves against it in very realistic terms because what we kind of reduce it down to is maybe gun control or bullying, but we don't look at the fact that like even the kids that have access to health care aren't getting great health care because they're just getting health care, whatever they can buy. I, I know this is me being super, super leftish, but like that's not people who are motivated necessarily to help nearly as much as people who can pay the debt to learn the skills mm-hmm. to help. So you're you're motivated by something other than that. So that's kind of how our system creates these people in a in a I know you don't want to argue for things like universal health care, but the more people's needs are met, the harder it is for them to come to these conclusions and the easier it is to come and help them. Because yeah, it's a really smug place for you to come from considering I pay your fucking vet bills, you sack of crap. God Harriet. <laughs> well, it is. It is. It is a very real fact that, like, we teach males a whole bunch of subliminal messages that they pick up on, and then we give them no opportunity to help themselves and no opportunity to learn how to be otherwise. Instead, we say things like, "Well, if there had been a cop there, it wouldn't happen." Well, what you're actually saying is, "I don't care about that kid. I would rather have that kid just get shot and killed and shut up." Then look at the examinations that make that kid. Well, and so here, here's a pause I want to get into then. So when you were looking up statistics about um, school shootings, did, did they have like a profile that they provided or like, were there any statistics about age, race, gender? I it's, mean, it's obviously gender, it's men. It, yeah. If I remember right, it was like 95% men. Uh, don't, that one I'm sure about male. Uh, and then the other stuff is it's, it's, it's hard to say. It's it's weird because mass shootings, I guess, we have a little bit... The data I was seeing on that is that it kind of breaks down very much male and then kind of how the uh, uh, racial makeup is in society is how the shooter ratio You mean it down. doesn't over-represent for men, white men it, or like white boys? It didn't seem to, at least in the one that I'll send you... Well, no, I just realized as I was talking to you that I didn't put it in the thing. I remember when I was in college and I was taking my um, education across cultures class, we talked about school shootings and the fact that predominantly it's white men. 
and yeah. it is it is predominantly white men according to no, so I'm using statista.com because the government information on it is a little bit I, I tried looking up black school shooter no no very few videos came up for that like uh, and very few stories cover that because oftentimes what we'll do is just chalk it up to gang violence and be like oh it was that yeah uh and then they will oftentimes chalk any african-american shooters up to racial violence but there's a particular kind of person that will leave a manifesto and a profile and they're usually into a specific kind of movie and, and they're, they're typically white dudes and they're typically white dudes okay. and they they there's a lot something like 41 percent of them 48 percent of them an overwhelming an odd majority because it's a thing where like those leave solid messages and then there's people who like give hints but don't leave messages and then there are people that nobody suspects i don't know what the percentage of nobody suspects is but they were like 41 and called it a majority in this one of the videos i linked to anyway it's a majority white male but it's a majority kind of middle class white male rich kids yes. don't do it rich we, kids don't do it poor kids don't do it it seems to be this kind of middle spot and it's it's a lot of that we we talk about frig the fragility of the white male yeah on and off toxic masculinity which I think a lot of people really balk at that term but it's not saying all of masculinity is toxic what it is saying is that there if certain traits are prioritized I, over others without some sort of healthy introspection and empathy for other human beings this is what fucking happens I look at it like like shrooms there is a point where you can eat shrooms. And you will be sick and gain nothing from the experience. You will just, like, throw up. You'll be too high to understand what you're seeing. Everything will be weird. You're not going to have a good time. You take a toxic level of shrooms. There's a level of shrooms you can take that is beneficial. It might might put you on a little mental trip. It might occasionally get me out of my body sometimes enough that I'm not. Like, my body hurts less because my brain's not connected to it. So it's a decent medicinal level of shrooms. And then there's kind of no shrooms where you're like, I don't, I don't need those for right now. Masculinity, I think, functions very much the same way. And I think, Where yeah. you can have a level where it's going to be sick and violent and you're going to inflict it on other people. And then there's a level where you can like, oh, okay, I, I identify certain traits as masculine in that like I, I perform a certain type of performative parenting that is fatherhood over mother. But I, I don't deny my motherly instincts, if you will. And I think in these guys, they're mainlining masculinity so hardcore that it gets them sick. Like some dudes get a buzz off of masculinity and some women get a buzz off of their masculinity. But there is definitely a specific kind of dude that's like, oh, I'm going to keep chugging the violent movies well, the violent and I porn mean, the violent it's like it's too much of it and it's feeling like yours is challenged it's like i'm a man but i am not i can tell that i'm not being a man in the way that i was told i was supposed to be so i will play up the things i am capable of playing up unfortunately it's very easy to in our society pick up a gun and shoot up a school and it goes back to this very real fact that people need acceptance and attention and the only way they get that is from community because overwhelmingly all the experts i watched about there there was two experts i watched about how to prevent these kind of things one takes this very like kind of how to teach how to talk to kids about it approach which is we're just going to be able to talk we don't have the answer but we want to be able to talk to the kids which i think is an important approach and they have some good ideas on kind of how to explain it to kids in a way that doesn't traumatize them where they're like 
look, these kind of things happen. So unfortunately, you need to know what to do and how to respond. And we need to express it to kids in a way that doesn't plant the seed to do it either. And one thing that we really need to not be doing is blaming any of the children who ostracize these boys. Because they're just just trying to stay safe. You and I said it both. Well, you said it. You've been bullied. I was bullied as a child. I never had the response to hurt people. I will push back on that and that you... Okay, I had the response to hurt people. I, I guess, are you saying you should ostracize the kid or you shouldn't? I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't, but I'm saying if kids ostracize someone for being antisocial and shitty, which is a lot of what these boys' behaviors is exhibiting, it is not your fucking job to put up with that abuse so then they don't go home and take, they don't go home, get a gun and kill. It is your job as a community to be aware of it. And that's what I'm nervous about in empathizing too much with the young boys who do this is I'm, yes, I don't think they are fully responsible for in the sense that I don't think there's a full responsibility for a lot of people's actions if there are other things out of their outside of their control in play. The response to take is a community response. It's got to, but it doesn't mean to hold these kids' hands and let help them plan attacks or some shit, right? And but the solution isn't to just have a person on hand to murder them when they get out of hand. It's instead to see kids like this and find ways to help them a cope with their toxic culture as long as we're in the society and culture that we're in they're going to continue to get these messages but it also means we have to look at how we teach differently we have to look at mental health care differently we have to look at how we even look at kind of violent impulses a little bit differently my problem is i know i walk the line of saying i'm excusing these kids no no i don't think you're excusing them that's but, not but, what i'm saying but what i'm saying is what i am trying to say is when you when your entire culture is entrenched in, in violence, is the response. But when so much of our budget is spent on defense and weapons, that seeps down to a kid and you hear, that's going to have to be my response is violence. So until somebody reaches you from that cultural message and teaches you community, it's a weird thing where it's like, I you're fucking up for sure, but I can't entirely... No, I, yeah, I don't want to even finish that sentence. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Here's what I will say, and I think it, it put in my Rochelle shell, if you will. Rochelle shell, go! I will say that I think the endemic of school shootings, especially done, or like mass shootings, especially done by children, and especially done by white males, is a symptom of a breakdown in a lot of the systems you're talking about. Because the way cis white men of at least moderate financial means, we expect them to have all their shit together. And we don't expect that there should be some extra care that we need to throw their way. They, on the other hand, feel this entitlement to like, I shouldn't need any help. I should be fine. I shouldn't be this upset. I shouldn't be this angry. And instead of pointing it inward, like a lot of women do, they put it out into the world. We don't want to really address the issue because it does point a mirror back at a lot of us. But I think the one group it does not point back at is other children. It's a fine line of it's not the other kid's fault, unless it's the other kid's fault. There are sometimes those exceptions also prove the point that, like, it's not the other kid's fault, usually. Like, nobody was really pushing the Columbine kids around. People were interacting harshly with Kip, but Kip was also... But also was displaying a lot of antisocial behavior and probably making these kids feel unsafe. You have to find a way to fix the problem and holding holding the other children accountable who are just as not in control of their lives as the shooter is laughable. The other issue is that we don't want people to know that they work too much if we're the political class. 
So we're always going to keep it about guns and school safety. And not because parents don't have enough time and not because our education system doesn't have enough resources. Part of the reason it doesn't happen with wealthy people is your work schedule and workload aren't the same. Your ability to spend time together and see warning signs aren't the same. And your ability to respond to warning signs. And your ability to move kid from school to school so that they don't build up the rage to kill someone. Yeah, that, that helps too. That very much helps. Like This one got a lot longer than it needed to be. Here. You're welcome, folks, for all this fun. Um, here's some more ads. I'm also probably going to feed my cat, so bye. Are you tired of paying actual cash to charge your electric vehicle at a charging station? Why would you use real money when you can use electronic money? Tesla coin! Coming to you soon because Elon Musk is... Too bored and has way too much money and dime on his hands. Let's come back because I want to make a point about us and Fox. How about that? Yeah, okay. So, and uh, we are back. But we're back with the last installment of Trauma. No, this has been a laugh riot. This has been, I I heard inside from all the laughter. That's what this has been. That's Patrick Thomas Perkins uh, being overcome with laughter. I can no longer keep on this charade. I have been in extreme internal agony this whole time. I mean, we've, we finally broke in Rochelle Cody. Yeah, like we've broken you so much. I've, I've said your name the right way. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> I wanted to, you know, keep this happy, keep this light, but it is really hard to keep happy and light children murdering other children. And now we have a case here uh, that happened in Michigan on what day was it? And I want to explain part of our process while you're looking that up. To people so that, like, like a little behind-the-scenes view, if you will. And it's kind of, I've volunteered nominally to watch the Fox videos because I appreciate a thing about them. They are not news. I, I will be very upfront about this. We aren't that different from Fox News. We are both here at the News Dump and at Fox News taking news stories and reporting back on them to you with our opinion. But we are not presenting you with news, if that makes sense. Like, part of Fox branding itself as an entertainment thing. I think it's really important to understand. They're not there to give you information. They're there to sell you adver- or to sell you to advertisers, to, to buy your time. And this case made that the clearest to me of all of them. I know we're not news. We're not reporters. We're, no. we're We're doing a very specific thing. We're nominally trying to teach people to look at things. Not, not teach you to see them how we see them, but teach you how to examine things in a variety of ways. And our method is, in particular, I power through a bunch of Fox News. Lately, we've been talking about news stories and and relating them to previous news stories to add context, because, like, that was the Ahmad Arbery episode, and this episode as well is one where we're taking a current news story and putting some context behind it. We talked about Kinkle, because Kinkle, specifically, was a case where mass shooting happened, kid survived, is in prison, and... it was, But it was the first time, it wasn't the first, but it was the first time it was really sensationalized. Yeah, it was very sensationalized. And then Columbine... The next year was on the 24-hour news cycle 
was extremely sensationalized, and there were some facts that were gotten very wrong. But it was sensational. Yeah, it was sensational. I mean, it was it was wild. These kids had premeditated. What they wanted to do was kill 500 people with a bomb. They ended up killing 10 people and injuring 21 more. To, oh, and to, killing themselves. And I think it's also important that, like, these kids learn to do these things because adults already plan to do it. That's what I was trying to say, Harriet. We do need to hold adults responsible to a certain extent because, as you mentioned, this isn't that similar from things adults do as well, or, or have done. Yeah, I mean, we, we see mass shootings committed by adults as well. But um, the thing that's interesting in this situation, the parents are being charged as well. They're, they are also receiving four counts of manslaughter. Now, I would like to share my perspective as to why I am pretty comfortable with them pressing those charges. Like, obviously, defund the police, get rid of prisons. But right now, I do think that it would be important to send this kind of message. This is one of those cases where this is a good example, I think, a a good teaching point for a thing about defund the police. This is the kind of thing you would keep funding for the police around for. That's why you're not saying remove the police. Like, you do want investigative teams that can study forensic evidence to find out A, B, and C, and detectives who can follow up on leads. You do want that. You don't want some dude who doesn't live in a city pulling over people who do live in a city to collect tax revenue for the city based on the color of their skin. Well, and you don't want a student resource officer who's going to pick up a student with their desk and throw it across the room because they won't turn over their cell phone, which did happen in, like, 2015. We need to find this balance of allowing law enforcement to be able to protect us against these types of situations, but also not having cops in schools that are abusing children, specifically children of color. Yeah. From my perspective, the reason I feel like the charges against his parents are valid. And let's let's be clear, we're talking about Ethan Crumbly, who killed four students, injured seven more. And for the sake of legality, allegedly. Allegedly, we, allegedly. No, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's documented that he went, he was in the school with a gun and four people yeah. were killed with that said just, same gun. I just gun. don't want this. His parents are crazy enough. They might sue us. Who knows? Yeah, right? <laughs> His parents have also been charged in this case. And the reason I am behind that decision from the prosecutor is that these parents bought this child this gun. It was known on social media that this gun was a gift. His teacher, the day before the shooting, saw him on his phone researching ammunition. The school tried to get a hold of the mother. She did not answer. She then texted him, LOL, it's okay, just don't get caught next time. I don't want to assume that she like that she knew what was going to happen, but it does seem like a wink and a nod. So yeah, they were called into school because a teacher found a note on the child's desk that like was... Not a, I th- was it a note? Uh, one description made it sound like... Granted, it was like a drawing, a note, okay, a note okay, okay. drawing. Well, I feel like there's a distinction between a note and a drawing. I feel like there's a level of commitment to putting the drawing on your desk that's distinct from, I will have dismissible evidence in the form of a drawing. And maybe that's just the distinction I'm making and it's an adult. The morning of the shooting, and this is from an article from Click on Detroit. It looks like it's local news for and uh, in Detroit, but it, this is out of Oxford, Michigan. The morning of the shooting, Ether Crum- Ethan Crumbly's teacher came upon a note on Ethan's desk, okay. which alarmed her to the point that she took a picture of it on her phone, Willis said. The note contained the following, a drawing of a semi-automatic handgun pointing at the words, the thoughts won't stop. 
help me. And another section of the note was a drawing of a bullet with the following words above that bullet. Blood everywhere. Between the drawing of the gun and the bullet is the drawing of a person who appears to have been shot twice and bleeding. Below that figure is a drawing of a laughing emoji. Further down the drawing are the words, my life is useless. To the right of those words are, the world is dead. His parents are called in. Both of his parents are called in. Why? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, you know, totally, totally, totally normal, totally fine. Like, it's, it is bizarre to me as a parent, and I understand, I, I always try to put in the caveat that, like, I'm a part-time parent. I don't have full-time custody, and I know there's different stressors between the two. Are you a poser dad? I kind of. I'm a national, the bit I always have is I'm a National Guard dad. It's it's two weekends a month, one month in the summer. It, it's not always a month in the summer. Usually it's every weekend of the summer or something like that. But the, the point is, <laughs> I am aware that there are different stressors for his, air quote, full-time parents than I have. And I, yeah. I, I I try to take that into account and try to fill up the slack where I can. I am disabled, so that's that's an issue where it's like I can't always physically go to him when he's a distance away. But if I saw that note from my child, that's not something we laugh off. He and I do he and I do joke about suicide. There his isn't girlfriend, such a thing as dark humor. There his, is such a thing as dark humor. His girlfriend was like, oh, you're definitely his dad. No one else would make a joke that dark besides at the same time, like, he's not looking up ammo. And we can get into that in a minute. Yeah, so. exactly. So it's like, he's looked up this ammo. The mom ignored the phone call from the district. And I think then confirmed what the son had said. That so they were just, just looking up ammunition for the shooting range. Then this note is discovered. The parents are called in. The parents and the son both corroborate a story of he is designing a video game. This is, this is like artwork for said video game or whatever. They do not tell... The authorities that they have purchased their son a gun already for his birthday or Christmas or whatever. They don't, like, give them any indicate. I mean, I think they talk about that they maybe do shooting off at, like, a gun range. They don't talk about they have them at home. There's no discussion about how there's guns available for yeah. him to get Cause, to. Because there's, there's other stuff that comes out where it's... And the school says, well, within 48 hours, your son needs to be in therapy. That is a requirement, and we would like you to take your son home. And they would not take their son home. That, that is a point where I am still wondering, I would like to know more context as to why they did not want to send him home. What was their employment situation? Yeah, like maybe they couldn't get off work. Was it possible that they were afraid that home was not super safe either? When the shooting happens, the dad goes home and... Immediately checks to see. But the thing he checks is a drawer in his bedroom dresser. Yeah, so he doesn't have this gun locked away. Locked away. Which any responsible gun owner knows that is how your gun should be stored at all times. And then there's all the weird shit they did afterwards. Oh, well, no, and on top of that, when, like, the news has started coming out, there was a shooting, his mom texts him to say, don't do it. For me, I'm wondering, does that don't do it mean don't kill any kids or or don't don't kill yourself? But, like, all of this communicates to me... There is no way they were not aware that there was a problem. And if there was, I it's can't just, fathom it's, it. It's just, it was it was eerie to me going over the details after going over Kip's case because it's a similar thing of like a child who has clear suicidal ideation, 
clear violent outbursts against other students, clear ostracization from other students because of their asocial behavior. It's hard to, I don't know, and then both parents give their kids guns, but in the case of Kip, it is, they don't know about their kid assembling an arsenal. They don't know about his interest. Yeah, exactly. That is the disconnect here, is that they bought him the fucking gun as a gift. And also, Kip's family seemed to have been somewhat responsible, so I would be curious to know more is this is yeah it will be interesting to see as more details but as i'm seeing the cards laying right now i can fully understand why the prosecution would like to move forward with that and i think especially in light of the kyle rittenhouse case where we saw this kid literally go to another town brought by his mother using a gun that he shouldn't have owned to another place to kill protesters and now you're seeing family ignoring all warning signs buying the weapon and then seeming to either be vaguely aware of it based on some of those communications and then there's all the stuff the parents do after the fact they go and hide in a commercial building yeah that was what it was apparently the person who helped them hide has has like come forward it seems like they were pretty ready to just skip town because they knew what was coming for them i and I'm, i'm calling a shot that they're gonna somehow blame cancel culture because we just felt so scared and we were getting so bombarded. Well, here's why, which was the Fox News report. I watched it in kind of a reverse chronological order. So I watched like the most recent video. Like They made it about Second Amendment rights. They made it about, did you see that one? Was that the one where the dude goes on the tirade about, don't get political about the Second Amendment? Was it that guy? I I think so. Boy, I wanted to punch him in the face. And they make it about that. They make it about things. Wait, I took notes. Don't make this about the Second Amendment. The manslaughter charge is political because their argument is that uh, people need to be better parents. And they were saying that if your kid takes your car and drunk drives and kills someone, that's... How is, is that manslaughter, too? And I'm like, I mean, a gun is intended for killing? I, I mean, I here's the thing. I'm not going to argue that because, again, I'm, I'm okay. If you're enabling drunk driving, I feel yeah. like you have to be partially responsible for it. Part of the issue is, though, that it's very clear the district attorney is making some amount of, like, I don't want to say political grandstanding, but you don't do a press... Oh no, she's like definitely that. making a statement. And, she's and, 100% and her state is the the battleground of that's the Kyle Rittenhouse state, right? No, that was Wisconsin. Which one was this? This was Michigan. Damn it! Yeah, I know you've been mixing it up this whole time. Oh my god, I always do. They're the same place. They're the same fucking place. Why do we have two Dakotas? Why is Oregon and Washington a separate place? Why is Idaho and Northern California separately? Why is there Idaho Arizona, and a New Mexico, and a fucking whatever Utah? Why Idaho and California don't even touch? Not even close. Okay, okay, sorry. If anything, why aren't Idaho and Montana the same state? But I don't want to bring on any Idaho into my home state because okay. that's nasty. Unfortunately, um, the Idaho is already. But in like Idaho. other things, they listed this um, the degradation of core value, the core values of parenting. So without acknowledging, like we were saying before, that it is hard to be a full time parent if you're constantly trying working to make money for the kid that is your parent. So that's one day's news cycle, though. The day before that. They are all on board. They are. They are like, no, we need to find these parents because no shit. Because, it, like, think of. Here's the thing. We're thinking in 2021 political terms. Of course, that's how the right is going to see it. They are an entertainment program first and foremost, and they assume their audience is going to think, yeah, we want to blame the parents for being bad gun owners. 
We want to blame them for being the thing that we tell the left will happen without proper gun rights and blah, blah, blah. And instead, when it turns out that it's a little bit crazier, but like you're saying, parents that identify with this, parents who, prediction, these parents probably could take the time off. If they could both show up to school at the same time, they probably could have afforded yeah, time off. Like, but a lot of parents can't afford to have time off and just take a kid home from school. So a lot of parents are going to hear that, especially a lot of Fox listening parents are going to hear that and super identify with the idea. So you find out, oh, the ratings for that dipped. And the next day you do this kind of like, well, okay, we know where the culture war so is. So they're Sorry. just read, yeah, they, they were testing the waters on where Cause, it cause the Because they, they do the news conference and then the next couple of videos are people being like, well, we sympathize with the victims and we, it's all about gun ownership. And of course, like it it's because of the same things they'll say anyhow. We don't have core family values. It's therefore Kids for, are just too mean these days. Once they realize, well, our audience is going to identify with this because we're not fucking human beings because we're the corporate entity known as Fox and its affiliates, you're going to change the narrative as soon as you realize it's not selling. I, I think they saw the Kyle Rittenhouse of it. This is me. I am willing to be like, oh, crap, I was wrong about that. But I feel like we're going to find out they have the kind of jobs where... One or the other could have stayed home, right? And they decide the school needs to take care of it. This is what we pay our taxes for. Or, or I want to call not the shot. But I want to call the shot. Is that tasteless language now that I've said that? Because I said Calling that the like, shot? Yeah. No, I don't care. Okay. How do you have taste in a world like this? <laughs> I think it's important. No, but I, and like what I'm saying is that what's going on with these parents is going to be very not great to hear. I'm sure. And finding out, like, the inner psyche of the dad and the mom is going to make us feel for that kid and empathize with his situation a lot. Considering and they I, seemed to be on board with what was happening in those last couple of days, but did not fucking care. It's it's hard for me not to sympathize with the kids in that, like... They're children. Yeah. Like, it, they're, they're, they're children. They're being sent subliminal messages. Subliminal in the sense that culture normalizes a thing or makes it seem normal wherever that fine line is and so they 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 think this we made a machine that turns kids into killers and then we're surprised when they kill and then our response is well we didn't kill them soon enough for killing instead of being like man shouldn't we take apart that machine that makes killers and i don't mean that the education system no, creates no, no, murders. No. i mean no, we have no. a culture that creates this kind of violent virulent outward if this was a sick then we keep being in the conditions to this is like going out in the cold without a jacket on and then being surprised you have a scrunchy throat over and over and over again and not blaming the fact that well i could just put on a jacket or i could i think it's unfair to say that we live in a society that creates murderers because there is a there's a difference between that kid who set that fire in the gorge and what that kid did today. yeah that kid was being a fucking idiot playing with some fireworks. He wasn't going out to set a national forest fire. Yeah, he was doing wants... what a dumb kid did, yeah. does. And I think these are the major distinctions where, like, my empathy stops. Mm -hmm. And where it stops hard in the ground is that your response to being hurt is to hurt. Yeah. And to plan that pain. I'm not going to say that I'm, I was a horribly bullied kid. 
but I felt extremely isolated for a lot of my education. And there was probably at least one year where I cried myself to sleep every fucking night because I knew the kids there did not want me around. And I, I never thought at any time to go down to my dad's gun cabinet. I, I turned that urge into aggressive masturbation. I'm not saying that it's a machine specifically that makes murders. I guess what I want to clarify then, you... Hello, your friendly neighborhood editor, Pat, from the, the future or the past. I don't know how time works, honestly, especially when it comes to... Anyway, uh, two things. Content warning up front. This is about school shooting, and we get pretty deep into the details without saying, Hey, that's what's up. And two, there was a heater uh, blowing during our recording on and off. So if it occasionally sounds like I was assimilated by the Borg, it was because that was preferable to the like <laughs> noise that was going on the whole time. Uh, yeah, that was it. Enjoy. You and I are kept from doing that myself by poverty and disability. I won't get further than the first bullet, so to speak. You know right. what I mean? You were the kid they were expecting to do that anyways. Yeah. But I was, they were expecting me to do that because they were looking at the circumstances and being like, oh, these are the circumstances that make a killer. Instead of being like, oh, these are disturbing circumstances. Right. right. I, I want to avoid saying it this way. We have a culture, but I'm going to do it yeah. We have a culture that rewards sociopaths, like psychopaths. People who don't consider other people human. And there is a cognitive break, I think, that happens when you realize, I thought I was a part of that, and I'm not. Your response can either be, well, shit, I don't want this to happen to anybody else. How can I fix it? Or your response can be, fuck it, I'm going to burn it all down. And honestly, fuck it, I'm going to burn it all down can result sometimes in everyone getting help. Right. But no, yeah, I, I agree that there is, I'm not, I'm not trying to excuse the fuck it, burn it all down guys. Out here, let's take a little break. Yeah, yeah. I want to take a break yeah. from talking about so we a got mass shooting. Hello, it's BTP coming to you from the future. Well, the future of when I recorded this, but it'll be your past when you listen to it. But for either of us right now, it's contemporaneous. So this is why I get into history and philosophy instead of quantum mechanics. Anyway. We decided two hours was plenty of time to be talking about school shootings, um, especially because we were getting to the end point, and then after recording it, I realized, oh, we didn't actually put in our end point. There is no solution to school shootings. There is no solution to mass shootings beyond community, beyond taking care of each other, beyond you see somebody who's troubled and you trying to give them help. We don't live in a society where that is necessarily easy to do, but if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling in these kind of positions, there are resources for you. Um, you're never alone. And that's kind of the point of both the news dump and recyclables is to create a community. Speaking of community, if you'd like to support the shows, you can buy a painting from Rochelle at Whore for Poor on Instagram. She's got some cool stuff. Or you can go to patreon.com forward slash recyclables. Thank you guys for being a part of our community, and thank you for letting us into yours. Till next time, good luck, stay safe, or I don't, I, I don't, bye. Thank you for picking up Recyclables today. Donations to the ACAST streaming service are of course always welcomed, but the best way to support the show is by going to patreon.com forward slash recyclables and becoming a patron today.
If you can't do that, another great way is by liking, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast listening service you use. All right, thanks.